The following podcast is rated P due to Tom Cruise's stunts and DC Comics. We got some edgy fish people to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Welcome to this episode of Rated P. I'm Brighton. That's Yates. Today we'll be talking about uh, surprising news from an upcoming Andy Circus movie, uh, ranking the Mission Impossible films, and too many Comic-Con trailers. So many Comic-Con trailers. Let's get started. We're starting off pre-production this week with some really exciting news. In terms of Star Wars, I know Yates is pumped about it, being the super fan. Uh, Episode 9, beginning production, August 1st, and Disney has released the cast. It has some kind of surprising uh, actors still around. They announced that Carrie Fisher is going to be back uh, through unused footage shot with The Force Awakens, which I think is very interesting. People who have seen The Last Jedi also might find it interesting that Mark Hamill is going to be back, and... Billy D. Williams, the original Lando Calrissian, is going to be back for episode nine. Of course, with most of the other main characters like John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, Lupita Nyong'o, and Kelly Marie Tran. And Adam Driver. And Adam Driver, holding it down as a villain. And Domino yep. Gleason, yeah. who I'm not the biggest fan of in this not series. Not holding it down as much as a villain, but present and a villain. Present nonetheless. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the big news here is those those main three. Carrie Fisher... Being back post mortem, right? Mark Hamill being back, and then the addition of Billy D. Williams into this this final, right. maybe not final, but definitely this new trilogy of Star Wars movies. Gates, you care about these movies, yeah, on a like a deeply emotional yeah. level. Tell me your thoughts on hearing. First off, let's just start with talking about Carrie Fisher being back. How does that make you feel? I mean, it's 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 exciting. It you know I mean there's mixed feelings with it I don't know I, I I'm excited because I I mean I love Leia I love Carrie Fisher as Leia when she died you know it was obviously heartbreaking and it was right when Rogue One came out and the ending scene in Rogue One is like the last shot just with that was so just emotional and emotionally powerful and they touched on that more in the Last Jedi so, but I mean at the same time you know if they're I I, I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about it. It's going to be bittersweet no it, matter it, well, what. Well, it's going to be bittersweet, and I, I want them to tell a good story. I don't want them to feel like, you know, I felt like they really gave her a really good tribute in The Last Jedi, and I don't want them to continue doing this to the point where it's like, all right, now you're, like, hamming it up or doing it for money or disrespecting her memory or, you know, her legacy and what she left in the Star Wars universe or whatever. But, you know, all that is to say, those are the cons. The pros far outweigh that and i'm really really excited to see her back i assume it's not going to be in a huge role um but i mean i think that it will be good just to kind of see her especially given the integral part of the resistance that she has played in the sequel trilogy well in the two in the sequel movies that we've seen thus far sure sure yeah i'm i'm in the same boat in that i'm curious to see how they're going to fit in those unused scenes from the force awakens because, I mean, who knows just how much that's going to affect the overall story. Is she just going to be sort of like a commander from a home base? I, I don't know. I honestly, mild spoiler alert for The Last Jedi, I'm honestly really surprised they didn't uh, have Leia pass away or die in The Last Jedi because it definitely seemed like they were going to do that at one like point. A, and then she a couple comes times, back like a, right. yeah, in yeah. a miracle fashion. Right. So. I'm really interested to see now what they're going to do with, with this now that they truly have kind of run out of new stuff, new footage of her. Uh, I think a very telling piece of this was J.J. Abrams' quote. He's back to direct this one right. as well, which Thank is God. big news. People uh, were not big fans of uh, of Ryan Johnson. but Well, uh, yeah. Ryan Johnson did a good job. I really, I really like The Last Jedi. But, I mean, J.J. Abrams, in my opinion, is like one of the best directors currently working. So yeah, I, oh, yeah. he's so good. He is so good. 
But yeah, J.J. Abrams back in his quote, you know, when they said this, he said, you know, we were never going to ever CG her. We were never going to have somebody else like recast in the role. Which, as they shouldn't. As they shouldn't. Which people we talked would, about. People would yeah. riot if, right. if they did. And um, yeah, yeah, we talked about sort of the the face captures, right. the the green screening of someone's face. Right. and. Yeah, how weird that would be for for her to not be or for her to be on someone else's body. It's good that they're gonna be still using actual footage of her. I'm yep, I agree. I'm skeptical of how it's it'll fit in, but yeah, as yeah, you said, probably it probably just won't be a big yeah. part. Um, I think you know the other really big, you know, Mark Hamill, not super surprising. You know, spoiler alert for the Last Jedi. I mean, just go see the movie at this point. Um, pretty sure it's on Netflix. Like, you don't have an excuse, right? Um, you know. I'm excited. Force Ghost, whatever. That'll be cool. Billy D. Williams, especially after, you know, Donald Glover played that character in Solo. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like more excited about this than I kind of thought I would be at the prospect of Lando coming back. Everyone um, loves Lando. You yeah. can't really go wrong with He's that the character. He's the smoothest dude in the galaxy. <laughs> like, you can't, yeah. I mean, you, you love Lando. Donald Glover did an amazing, amazing job. I think kind of universally thought to be the best part of that movie. Um, sure. And yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about all this. They keep bringing people back from the original trilogy. I mean, we had we had Harrison Ford and, and Han Solo in, in The Force Awakens. We have, uh, you know, Mark Hamill back as in a very integral role in The yep. Last Jedi. Yep. And now we're going to have Lando back. I wonder if he's going to play a big role, too, because I don't know. They just keep they keep having to use people from the original trilogy to tell what's happening in this one, which I think is a good thing. But I'm, I mean, who knows? I, definitely Han and Luke and Leia were integral in the first two movies in episode seven and eight in this new trilogy. How integral is Lando going to be compared yeah. to those guys since they're, yeah. you know, continuously pulling from some characters from the OG right. trilogy? Which I, I, I agree. I think that's good. I think that's important because, um, you know, you need to give George Lucas said about the prequels. You know, every Star Wars it, Star Wars is like a poem, and every movie is like a different stanza where it kind of echoes elements from all the others, but is also kind of its own thing. Um, and I think that's important to kind of give it that echo and that through line for fans and just for the story in general. To have it be about the Skywalkers, you need to have some Skywalkers in it, and like you know, you need to have things from the original trilogy and characters still in the um, new one. Yeah, that casting news is exciting. Very, I'm pumped for yeah, it. Very exciting. Well, and yeah, it's. It, I think that a lot, especially among Star Wars fans, which are the most just rabid, honestly disgusting that fan. I I hate the Star Wars fan base. Um, they're but pretty strange. They're man. yeah. They're. Ugh, I, I won't go into it anymore. But um, yeah. I mean, I think that the, there's a lot riding on this movie for the sequel trilogy. Interesting. There's a lot of people have had a lot of gripes with both movies. I think that among the general public, they're both pretty well liked. But like, you know, everyone was, you know, oh, The Force Awakens is just a rehashing of the original Star Wars and The Last Jedi when they was when they took risks or, with it, they got a lot of backlash despite right. not taking very many, many risks in the right. in episode 7 and getting And a I ton thought of they were both really good. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot riding here. Um Star Wars Episode 9 will be released uh, December 20th, 2019, so we'll have more to say about it then. And yeah, more yeah. we've got plenty of uh, they're just about to start shooting, so even more news is going to be coming from that. Yeah. And um, who knows what'll happen. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, and moving on in other news, the Joker movie, which we talked about recently, has had a release date scheduled for October 4th, 2019. Um, you know, October movie, that seems pretty promising. And there have been uh, Robert De Niro casting talks, which, you know, we kind of talked last time about um, Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand and how that kind of sim- signified the route and direction they were kind of trying to take it. And I, you know, in a more serious, darker tone. I think this is the exact same thing. I love, I love it. I don't even know who it's going to be, and I love it. I just want Robert De Niro in my Joker movie. <laughs> yeah, De Niro as the Joker's father for some reason just makes a lot of yeah. sense. Is, is, is that, I don't know why, it just makes a lot of is sense. Is it like confirmed that he would be the father, I don't or think are you it's, just assuming? I, I'm just assuming. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think his character that they're even trying to cast him for has been, has been confirmed, but they're swinging for the fences in terms yeah. of casting here. We already talked about how we love Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I think the October date is very encouraging because October is a nice is October's a nice time for superhero movies. It's kind of turned out the Thor movies are sometimes in there. Sometimes they're November slates, but even low budget horror movies do well in October. You know what I mean? They're not September movies, mm-hmm. and 
they're you know they're not usually not as good as Christmas, but they're usually different types of movies from Christmas right. movies and stuff right. like that. Agreed. I could be very, I, I'm very on board with this being an October movie. It could fit really well, and I could see it making boatloads of money then too. Yeah. Well, I right, me too, and I think that um. Yeah, I, I I'm on board with this movie whenever, <laughs> whenever it comes out. I mean, I'm I like what it looks like they're doing with it. I like that they're taking a departure from the Jared Leto Joker because I thought that was a just pile of crap, frankly, and it was weird. And just, I mean, that whole movie was just well, that whole movie was pretty bad. Pretty rough. But yeah, I'm yeah agreed. I all of this has me very optimistic about it. Yep, not much else to say there. As we said, October 4th, 2019, now the new release date for the Joker Origins movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. The other news that we found really interesting this week is that Andy Serkis's Mowgli, Jungle Book sort of origins story, just passion project of Circus. He's been working on this since 2013, trying to get it done. Uh, it was originally bought and already made under Warner Brothers, but this past week just got sold to Netflix and is now going to be released on Netflix in 2019 instead of this October in theaters. Yates, your thoughts on this? We both want, when the Mowgli trailer came out, we both watched it and we went, eh. Yeah. We like Andy Circus. It's yeah. got a good cast. It, it has, has a great cast. Yeah, yeah so go for it. Circus is going to be playing Baloo the Bear. They have Christian Bale voicing Bagheera. They have Kate Blanchett as Ka the Snake. Benedict Cumberbatch as Shere Khan, <laughs> who could yeah. be a really good fit. And all of this is shot doing Andy Serkis's technology that he used for Lord of the Rings and for the Planet of the Apes movies, right. you know, the technology that he is known for working in. So, you know, the trailer, it, the the graphics and animation themselves look really good. The, yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I really remember about the trailer is just visually it was stunning. But everything about Everything else about it seems very rehashed, almost. I mean, we we just got a Jungle Book movie. It just seems very. It yeah. seems very mediocre, and yeah. as yeah, right. it feels and, redundant. It's unfortunate right. that he'd been working on it for this long, but Disney, of course, having the having that, probably being, the rop, the proper rights to the OG Jungle Book, right? And being Disney and having the means to just be like, yeah, we want to make a movie. We'll just do it in a year and a half, and it's gonna be you know, it's gonna make money and get relatively good reviews. Like that's. That's how Disney works. Yeah. Um, and also, that Disney movie was really well done, so it puts, it, yeah. it puts a lot of pressure I on this love, movie, too. Yeah, I, I love that iteration of the story. I really, really like that movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting move. It's not it's not a good sign. I think it's, a, I it's think. not a great sign, but I think it's a good move because I think more people will care about it if it's now labeled as a Netflix original than having to pay money to see it in theaters. I yeah. don't, this one was scheduled to come, in Oct- come out in October, yeah. and unlike what I was just talking about for the Joker movie, I don't think this movie would have done well in October because this Jungle Book's kind of that movie where it needs to be either a spring or summer movie. And this one, you know, it has yeah, more darker probably. elements and stuff like that, but I just don't see it doing well yeah, I, I, in that slot. I feel like, does it, is it, does it have a rating? Is it PG-13? Uh, probably what probably, they were going yeah. for, yeah. Because um, yeah, I was going to say, you know, it seems like this would attract a lot of kids and things like that, which I think would do well for Netflix um, as yeah. well. Yeah. And, like, you know, for if you want to have a family movie night with, you know, your couple and you want to have a family movie night with your kids, sit down, watch The Jungle Book, it's, on your TV, like that's that's pretty easy. Sure, why not? Yeah, and I, it, it is a different iteration. It is not the original Jungle Book story, which we right. can tell from the trailer. Right. And it definitely looks like it's kind of darker in some ways, or just focuses maybe more on Mowgli than than anything else. But I don't know. I still think this is. I I agree. I think this is a, a good move ultimately. But it it shows that the movie itself might not be all that great if Warner Brothers didn't believe in it, which is a shame because I really like Andy Serkis. I think he's super underappreciated from Hollywood, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it agree. is what it is. I agree. Shall we move on to trailers? Let's move on to trailers. So, uh, some of you may know, Comic Con was two weekends ago, and a lot of trailers uh, came out. Then that would have been the weekend right after our last episode, so we haven't gotten a chance to talk about any of them yet. So, buckle in. Uh, we have a lot. We have a we lot. We have a lot. We have a lot. We're sorry we're behind. Yeah. Um, um, it's a bummer that our schedule worked out the way it did because so many good trailers so dropped. So many Comic-Con. trailers. Um, and some after that that we won't get a chance to talk about, which sucks. But nonetheless, here we go. So our first trailer is Shazam. Um, a brief description. A 14-year-old foster kid, Billy, discovers he can turn to the adult superhero Shazam 
um, courtesy of an ancient wizard. Uh, still a kid at heart, though, um, and inside a ripped godlike body, Shazam re- revels in this adult version of himself by doing what any teen would do with his superpowers, which would be to have fun with them. But he'll need to master these powers quickly in order to fight the deadly forces of evil controlled by Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. Um, so I think that that description actually really undersells this trailer. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind true. of that, like, That's that, definitely more of like a broad... Yeah. Uh, overview of what this movie is going to be about. It's honestly kind of campy and corny, which I think kind of fits this. Well, sort it, it absolutely does. Yeah. The, the trailer is all about origins, because for those who don't know, Shazam is a DC superhero, yep. and truly this kid gets his powers from an ancient wizard, as, as corny as it sounds. But he's a normal kid walking around, and anytime he says Shazam, he turns into this huge Just jacked mass, I mean, adult. Basically Superman-looking fella. Pretty much um, Superman, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of I didn't even know about Shazam until really this trailer. I'd heard oh, about them yeah. making it, but I didn't know anything about the character. So that's why I really liked it. It got me excited to know more about it. I thought it was a good way to introduce us to it. I, I think the trailer, you know, it shows sort of like the inciting incident to why the wizard chooses Billy Batson to become Shazam. And he shows why uh you know he shows that he's going to have a lot of fun with these powers cuz he has a whole bunch he's super, he's strong pretty sure he can fly he's bulletproof he's very much superman-esque stuff with no immediate uh weakness like superman has mm-hmm. and um i think you know as you said the trailer's kind of it's kind of campy it's kind of corny as you would expect a teenager playing played by a, like an adult in a teenager body to right. sort of be right it's kind of like, you know what? It's kind of like the new Jumanji movie, but in superhero form. Yes. It's exactly the same yes. thing where you have Younger an adult kid, actor, you have an adult yeah. actor playing a kid in yeah. a way, but you know, still in their still in their adult body just as, right. as a dope superhero. Right. Um So I really liked it. I agree with you. I liked, you know, DC's known for its dark and sort of sort of gritty attempts at at movie making. And this one is not really about that at all. This one is all, this yeah. one is yeah. all, all fun and games because they try they're trying to capture this teenage spirit. Like what you what would you do if you woke up in a superhero body? That's what these kids are doing. I think it's interesting, and I think this first this first look definitely impressed me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Zachary Levi, I, I think he's you know he from every indication is he's going to do a great job. Um, basically, I think that. The other kid, um, the the kid on uh, on crutches that he kind of goes around with, looks really funny. Looks like they have really chemistry as well as you know, Kid Billy. Um, a little bit of background on Shazam. Shazam is one of the only superheroes in DC lore to have defeated Superman right. in battle. Right. Um, so like, Shazam's not messing around here. No, folks. Um, and but he is messing around here because he's a kid. Um, then I yeah, I mean, it looks like they're really gonna nail that dynamic, that kind of. Duality of the character. They like, did in this you know, trailer, at least. Right. It's edited well to make it look like that, that for yes, sure. That's true. If the whole movie does it, I guess remains to be seen. Every indication so far is that they will. Um, a lot of people were talking about The Rock maybe playing the grown up Shazam. Uh, that's not the case because he ended up getting cast for. Um, Black Adam, but the, the people, people wanted him to play Black Adam because yeah. he looks like Black Adam from the comics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what he ended up being cast as. However, it appears that he's not necessarily in this movie. the The villain is being played by Mark Strong, and as we, as Yates said in the little synopsis that we have for it, the villain is Doctor Thaddeus Savannah. I don't know anything about him. All I know is that I love Mark Strong. I've never seen Mark Strong do a bad job. I mean, I really like. I mean, I, I agree. I yeah, cannot I, come up with I, something. I think he adds significantly to every movie he's in. I hope that DC doesn't just like over villain him and make him be like, oh, ha, 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 I need to destroy the world or right. whatever. Because that Anything would be corny. a total waste of talent. It'd and, be so good if I, I think this movie could be really good if he is the perfect, very serious, very dangerous villain yes. that a Shazam sort of hero needs. You have the, this kind of goofy, you know, that you have this kid in a grown man's body but if you come up against a super villain that means absolute business and does not yep. care who you are yep. that can make for a really interesting dynamic because it, it means that sh- the, the kid Shazam is going to have to grow up really quickly so I'm excited to see what they do there Shazam is directed by David F. Sandberg who most notably um, not even that notably also directed Lights Out in 2016 Yawn. Um, yeah pretty much and stars Zachary Levi, Michelle Borth 
Mark Strong, Jack Dylan Grazer from um, It, and Asher Angel, um, and is expected April 5th, 2019. The next trailer is another DC movie. This one probably, I, I don't know if it got the internet talking more than the Shazam trailer, but this was certainly kind of like what I expected to see out from of DC. Comic-Con, <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of Comic-Con. This was the Aquaman trailer. Um, we knew it was pretty much coming because we know we've known about this movie for a while. Yates and I already talked in the last episode about the photos that we were seeing from it, and now we finally have the the first look at it. Um, a, a little synopsis that they released with the trailer: the film is going to reveal the origin story of the half human, half Atlantean Arthur Curry, and takes him on a journey of his lifetime, pretty much down below the water, uh, to Atlantis and the seven realms. One that will not only force him to face who he really is but also to discover if he's worthy of who he was born to be, which is the king of Atlantis. Uh, stars Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry, Aquaman. It also has Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, and Nicole Kidman. So pretty good cast. But I watched the trailer. We watched the trailer together, and I just... Eh. I, yeah, I, again, <laughs> I, and unfortunately, it's how I felt for the last two or three DC movies in a row. Definitely since Justice League, or definitely Justice League onward, Yeah, I've right. just felt very okay. I mean, it, okay. The thing that I have noticed in ev- all of the DC movies I've seen is they, their villains have not been deep. They've not been, they've not had, like, I mean, their motive has been clear, but it's kind of shallow and one-dimensional. And then the final battle is not at all emotionally charged. It's just how much, how many things can we blow up, basically. I mean, that was the case with Batman vs. Superman, where Doomsday came in and was, like, awful. Um, that was even the case with Wonder Woman, I felt like. Man of Steel. Um, Man, Man of Steel yeah, was Man odd, Steel. destroying literally, like, half right. the world. You know, we haven't seen Justice League because it looked like the same shit as the other right. movies. And this looks like it's going to be the same thing. Like, you know, you saw... Um, you know, you saw the, um, is it Black Manta? I Black think? Manta. Yeah, Black I, Manta destroying something on Earth. You saw a huge battle going on under the sea where it looked like they were just riding you know, sharks and, and whatever. Just gigantic I mean, underwater creatures I don't into battle care. against each other. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I mean, at that point, it, it looks like it's just more of the same. It's a CGI fest with too much stuff going exactly. on, which it, is so weird compared to what we just got off of from some of Marvel's most recent. Right. Uh, with the Avengers Infinity War, where I felt like they balanced that really well. There's a right. lot going on. There's a lot of CGI, but you still at least are able to pick out the individual characters, and, and you actively care about yeah, what's going on and with them. The, there was that one scene with you know just basically two armies going at it that I know one reviewer that I listened to said they didn't really feel like that was necessary. And I mean, sure, maybe it wasn't, but it was good and it was well done. And they had, you know, they, they still, I mean, they even still had like character development within right, that. You right. know, when they had the three, um, Thor, Rocket, and Groot come yeah, back. They, they and, had and them see come Captain back. America. And then, um, you know, Black the general, Widow. Yeah, the general the, of Wakanda. All were all fighting. And like, yeah. Scarlet Witch and Black uh, Widow together. Yeah. That was badass. It was great. Right. It was great. And I don't, I just don't know. I mean, obviously, this was the first look that we've gotten at it, but I agree. It just looks like more destruction and, and CGI stuff that well, I, and, I just don't care right. about. Right. And every indication we have from how DC has done their movies up to this point says it's just going to be cluster you know what and just right i think i think maybe part of the problem with aquaman is it's almost too broad of a storyline venturing in the first time because he has to fight his brother in order to take the throne he has to fight black manta who's kind of like this this pirate sort of fellow but he has this cool tech that lets him shoot lasers or stuff i don't know he has a cool helmet black black manta does look black manta is really dope in young justice but but couldn't that be served just as well on his like as his own in a different Aquaman movie. Right. I just feel like there's too much stuff going on because and we already had a little bit of an origin story with him in Justice League, and now we're getting now we're getting his origin origin story. You know, can they do it? Can they do it again? We kind of it worked with Wonder Woman. It did, but Wonder Woman was different because Wonder Woman was the first female superhero. That was huge, huge well, and, socially right, and well, culturally. And, and because of that, I think they really tried to focus on the character right. of Diana, right. and that was really good. This one, it looks like there are too many villains. It yep. looks like there's just too much stuff that he's going to have to focus on or too much crammed in the movie. However, there are some things I liked. As I said, Black Manta looks pretty cool. 
I think the underwater scenes, you know, Atlantis looks cool, although it's completely CGI. It does look really I nice. Think, I mean, it, it, it's like Asgard and Thor. Like, in yeah, the, in that's, the first a good, Thor, that's a good comparison. In the first Thor, I thought everything on Asgard was great. Everything off Asgard was not. And I've watched it recently. I still feel that way. Asgard was visually beautiful. I think that's exactly how Atlantis will be. Yeah, I agree with that. And another thing that I liked is that they kind of have this underwater. When they're underwater, it does look like they're underwater with yep. their hair. Their hair is kind of floating in a weird way. They're kind of moving a little bit up and down with their bodies. I think that looks cool. Who knows if it'll go on for the entire time that they're underwater. I also hope they explain why they're able to just talk normally underwater. Because um, that's not how sound works. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's <laughs> just going to be so much stuff they have to establish yeah. in this movie, and it's just going to be super yeah. bloated and yeah. overblown. Well, and, and I think that's a problem that DC has had in a lot of their movies because they're trying to catch up to and compete with Marvel. When Marvel started in 2008 and introduced characters one at a time, and you know, and it was good and it worked because they weren't rushing. And look at so look at the Shazam movie, right? We've got an origin right. story of a character that we've literally had no ties to Perfect. at all in the, from the DC universe before. And it looks great. And it looks all right. Yeah. It looks all exactly. right. So, you know, we'll we'll have more to talk about with this Aquaman movie as it comes out December 21st, 2018. We don't have that much longer to wait. Yeah. Uh, half a year or so, but who knows. I could care less, but I don't care very much. I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I think that yeah. I agree. Um next trailer which we're far more excited about, um, and I think people in general are far more excited about, is Bohemian Rhapsody. The Freddie Mercury biopic. The Freddie Mercury biopic, yeah. Um, So the film traces the meteoric rise of the band Queen through their iconic songs and revolutionary sound. They reach unparalleled success, but in an unexpected turn, Freddie, shrouded by darker influences, shuns Queen in pursuit of his solo career. Having suffered greatly without the collaboration of Queen, Freddie manages to reunite with his bandmates just in time for Live Aid, while bravely facing a recent AIDS diagnosis, Freddie leads the band in one of the greatest performances in the history of rock music. I am so hyped at this movie. It looked awesome. Every time I watch the trailer, I have gotten goosebumps just because Queen music is so iconic, and they pretty much hit all the good well, highlights and in, so in the good. trailer. And so good. I mean, yeah. Yes, so good. So good. Yeah. And uh, the the star is uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury himself. He looks amazing. Uh, he, has got, he has undergone some major method acting. Yep. In order to to do it, and I I heard him do an interview. I think it was with Colbert or somebody when they were filming this movie, and he said he actually had to sing like Freddie Mercury in front of other Queen members, and he said it freaked him out. But oh my gosh, he looks the part and, at least and yeah. sounds yeah like just like Freddie. It yeah. is pretty incredible. Uh, the movie also stars Joseph Mazzello, Ben Hardy, Lucy Boynton, and Mike Myers, and it's directed by Brian Singer, who is known for most of his. X-Men stuff, which is very interesting. Like like Mike Myers, Mike Myers? Yeah. Oh, weird. Isn't it? And The Usual Suspects also. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Usual Suspects is so good. But, <laughs> yeah. but yes, Brian Singer directing this movie. If you couldn't tell already, yeah, Yates and I are excited about it. I love the feel of this first trailer. You don't really get the sense of what the story arc is going to be just besides the origins of mm-hmm. Queen itself with mm-hmm. a focus around Freddy. Yeah, well, g- given what this um, right synopsis plot summary said, you uh, don't yeah, get that. You don't get that, but I actually like that they're building up to the Live Aid concert, and, and I believe it was 1985 is when that concert was because it is known as like the one of the, as the synopsis says, right. one of history's biggest Right. best rock performances ever. I think that's a great sort of like final act for them to do. Yep. And, you know, there's a, there's plenty of conflict and complicated things to address in Freddie's life leading up to that. So right. I think it could be really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if Remy Malik is as good as he looks to be, the, the rest of this movie I think is just going to fall into yep. place. I agree. Um, and I actually had read an article I mean, probably eight months to a year ago that said they weren't going to even address... You know Freddie Mercury and the fact that he had AIDS. There were a lot of rumors whole, going around about and that, that whole yeah. epidemic up until I, you know, we wrote this synopsis for the show. I didn't know that they were going to, and now that they, I know that they're going to, and I know that they aren't going to kind of, you know, ignore a difficult subject, sure, but a crucially, vitally important one. I mean, I, I think that's really important, and I'm really excited to see that, see how they handle it. You know, I'm. I hope they do a good job. I'm optimistic that they will. Me too. Um, and I'm overall, yeah, really pumped about this movie. I also love how they show Queen. Uh, they show little clips of it, but I love how they show Queen deciding how to make these huge songs that we all yeah. know. Like even just the just the little part of of the band member saying, "I want to make a song that people can sing along to," and then they do the stomp, stomp, clap of "We Will Rock You." Mm-hmm. Like that's so cool. And 
you know, I've, I'm so excited to see what they do in making Bohemian Rhapsody itself because it's such a weird song and they did so many experimental things. You get a bit of that from the trailer, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited to actually watch the movie itself and see that and then probably learn how accurate that is. I'm just over the moon about this and uh, cannot, cannot wait. Yep, uh, I agree. So, right, as we said, uh, directed by Brian, by Brian Singer and expected uh, November 2nd of this year, 2018. The next trailer we want to talk about is about a movie that we also talked about pretty recently, Glass, the M. Night Shyamalan movie and follow-up to Unbreakable and Split. They had a trailer debut at Comic-Con. I am all kinds of excited about it because it looks sweet, but we already talked about it quite a bit last episode, so um, we'll keep this one short and sweet. But uh, if, if you don't know the synopsis, it is about security guard David Dunn, played by Bruce Willis, and him using his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, played by James McAvoy, who is a disturbed man with 24 personalities, and it's all kind of run behind the scenes by Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Glass. And um, the trailer all starts with them in a, in a psychiatric ward, and they all break out somehow, as evidenced by the trailer, and mm-hmm. Yates, I'm pumped for this movie. Yeah, I I am too. It looks great. It looks like it's basically, you know, Samuel L. Jackson kind of orchestrates these two beyond human beings to kind of go at it and it looks you know looks like it's going to be exciting you know three really great actors and that's not even you know mentioning sarah paulson who looks like he's kind of gonna be the fourth major character right. here who's also great but you know james mcavoy i mean holy crap you he, get it you get a you get pretty much uh, a pretty good range of the characters yeah. that you know from split not everybody not yeah. everybody but you get the you get the little boy character um you get quite a few of his women characters he he shows his range and he shows yeah. how this character kevin has all these personalities in him and then when samuel L. jackson says he, he drops uh that sounds to me like the villains are teaming up line oh buddy oh yeah. it's gonna be good well and, and then it looks like they're gonna go at it go at yeah, it yeah bruce right. bruce willison and uh and james mcavoy's characters are going to have to because the whole the whole deal about samuel L. jackson's character is that he's very frail his bones break very easily right. which is why he chooses the villain named mr glass and it looks like he's teaming up with mcavoy's uh mcavoy's beast character to then sort of s- square off and face off with bruce willis's david dunn because i got to say yates i know you haven't seen split but those who have know that the Beast and David Dunn, that's going to be a real throwdown because they match their abilities match up pretty pretty evenly. Right. I I am so excited. I am so yeah. excited for this movie. Yeah, me too. Thought they nailed the uh, the trailer in general. They did not give too much away. They uh, gave good ties back to the previous two movies for people who might that's, not even have yeah, seen well, them. And that that's one thing I thought that they did really well is they really clearly kind of connected the dots yep. for the audience, and they didn't. You know, they did it just the right amount. It wasn't too much, but it was like, all right, I totally see how we got here. How are you going to add to it? Yep. And it was great. I am very ready for January 18th, 2019, which is when Glass is going to be hitting theaters. Yates, you want to take uh, you want to take this last trailer that we're talking about? I do. I really do. Um, so the last trailer that we have to talk about is... Um, Godzi- also debuted at Comic-Con. Yeah, all, also a Comic-Con trailer. It's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And I personally... Big sucker for monster movies. I've watched, you know, a lot of the original Godzillas, you know, Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, Godzilla King of the Monsters, you know, all, all movies like that. I love the first Godzilla, and I'm really excited for this one. So the new story follows the heroic efforts of a cryptozoological agency Monarch as its members face off against a battery of God-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidorah. When these ancient superspecies, thought to be mere myths, rise again, they all vie for supremacy, leaving humanity's very existence hanging in the balance. And you get that. You get that as soon as the trailer starts. Yes. Well, and but what I what I love about this trailer, you know, first of all, it does a really good job of kind of saying humanity has put the earth in this position, and this is the fever. You know, this is the immune response of humanity coming to of of the earth coming to wipe us out. That basically. is that's the argument Which of Vera really Farmiga. Yeah, yeah, um, right. That's the argument of Vera Farmiga, who 
it plays the mother of Millie Bobby Brown, who appears to be the main character. And yeah, she seems to be a scientist saying, in the trailer she says, we have to find these titans and they have to battle it out because that is going to be what sets the Earth back into balance, right. which probably is a pretty controversial opinion or a pretty controversial way to approach Earth's problems. But man, you see like right away that Earth is not in a great shape. They show one shot yeah. of DC with like the the... The Congress building, just, or the Library of Congress, just up in flames. Yeah. And it, well, it just I looks... think I think presumably that's from two of the Titans battling it I out. I suppose so, but, but I mean, still, yeah, yeah. You get the sense at the end of the fir- at the, of the 2014 Godzilla that you know things are not going as as they should be on Earth. Yeah, that's that that's true. Um, and I you know I like the I really like the tone of this trailer. This, it wasn't like uber violent, right? It wasn't anything like that. It was like artful, and right? Like, yeah, these monster movies that Universal is doing. This is the next step in their sort of monster movie universe that they're creating with the first Godzilla in 2014, and then Kong Skull Island a couple years ago. This is the next one, and what makes this one different from just most monster movies in general is how they focus in the trailer on the other monsters and sort of focusing on the beauty of it of it all. Mm-hmm. Because we see a, a, we see a bunch of these monsters like Mothra and Rodan in the trailer itself, but it's not you know it's not like the first Godzilla trailer where we didn't see him at all. We did not see mm-hmm. Godzilla until the actual movie or until some of the very last trailers. Right. This one they show him straight up. And they showed right. these other monsters straight up, but they show, I mean, you have Claire de Lune playing in the background, this nice classical music too. They show the beauty of these other monsters. And I just think that's a really interesting take awesome. and approach. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's really good. You know, and uh, a ton of really good actors in this, it looks like. Um, yeah. You got Millie Bobby Brown, Vera Farmiga, Sally Hawkins coming off of Shape of Water. So she's she's a big name. Kyle Chandler, who's been in a bunch of various action movies, and uh, Ken Watanabe, probably, presumably, uh, in the recurring role from right. the first Godzilla movie. Um, and the the guy from the Verizon commercials. Oh, the, Thomas Middleditch. Yeah, I didn't really, even I didn't even yeah. want to bring him up. Well, people people really like him in Silicon Valley, um, I suppose, which I've never yeah. seen. He's incredibly annoying in those commercials. Um, Nonetheless, he's here. He's here. You I mean, him. yeah, a, a big name. There are I. I feel like there are others that I'm just missing. But yeah, I mean, all in all, I personally, as like a classic monster movie fan, super excited for this, super excited to see a modern take on Mothra, who was my favorite as a kid, and Rodan. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Me too. I'm all on board. I thought the first Godzilla was good. Didn't really care enough to see uh, Kong Skull Island, but I heard it was enjoyable. <clears throat> but I heard it was enjoyable. And this one, you know, the way that they just approach the trailer looks different enough that I am, I'm super in. I, I have bought in off of this. I expected it just to be sort of like giant monster orgy of destruction, but it does not look like that's the route that they're going to go. I love the tension that um, Vera Farmiga is probably going to bring to this with this uh, mentality of, you know, we have to let them battle it out and pretty much destroy the Earth in order for the Earth to be fixed. That sounds like a lot of comic book villains we've seen on screen in yeah. the last, like, two years. Yeah. So... I am all about it. All um, about it. Godzilla King of the Monsters is directed by Michael Daughtery um, and is expected May 31st, 2019. And I cannot wait. Cannot wait. So with Comic-Con, there were also a whole bunch of other trailers we didn't even get to. And as Yates said, some that came out this week. Uh, just some honorable mentions to check out if you haven't already. Fantastic Beasts 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Grindelwald yeah. had a new trailer out. We're kind of lukewarm on it, but it looks fine enough, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan. I yeah. could be a, a, I Well, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Yeah. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I don't really like the first one, but we'll see. Um, yeah, the second one was New Robin Hood with Taron Edgerton and Jamie, Jamie Fox. Fox and um, Ben Mendelsohn as the Sheriff of Nottingham, which looks great. I think that's a good cast call, yeah. I do, too. It, it, it's a very King Arthur-y, like that newer new one, King Arthur yeah. that didn't look very... It was, like, the, dark and my, gritty. My and... English 105 teacher said it was her favorite movie she's ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Talk about some poor what life a, decisions. What a sad life you're living. Yeah, that's tough. God, that's tough. Yikes. Um, um, that, that had a new trailer come yeah. out. Uh, one that really intrigued me was Assassination Nation. It looks very a la The Babysitter. If you've seen The Babysitter on Netflix, very interesting 
Oh, you didn't like it? Oh, I, I hated the oh, babysitter. I, I thoroughly I mean, enjoyed I, it. I, I, I thoroughly I, enjoyed it. I thought it was like fine for what it was. It, but I, I don't, Assassination Nation also is kind of like the purgey. It does kind of look. It I does kind of look purge-ish. It's purge-ish. an interesting premise because it's like uh, it seems like the tone of nerve with the plot of the purge. That, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty <laughs> accurate. Uh, Assassination Nation essentially it's about a small town that where half of its population gets all of their texts and photos leaked, uh, like hacked and then leaked onto the internet, yeah. and apparently just everything starts good. going down. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm intrigued by it, but I also you know it's. I also kind of like wacky movies. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean it. It it'll be interesting. But it's very digitally oriented. Something for the millennials. Something to check out if you're looking for a change of pace in trailers. But uh, that that was pretty much it. We had a lot yeah. to go through. But oh, um, and today, which we didn't even get time to like watch or look at, new Venom trailer. New Venom trailer um came out. So we might talk about that next time. But check them out. Probably not. Check them out. Check them out. First one sucked. <laughs> yeah. So check all those out. On to premiere. On to premiere. Not much to report on Premiere this week. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Box office. Equalizer 2 and Mamma Mia debuted not this last weekend, but the previous weekend. And Equalizer 2 actually beat Mamma Mia 2 at the box office, which I found very interesting. <sighs> Yates' feelings are hurt on that one. It's fine. The question I posed to him was, I said, how many black people are in Mamma Mia 2? <laughs> compared to how many, yeah. people, how many black people are in Equalizer 2? He makes a good point. Yep. It's a pretty whitewashed cast. Also, Denzel Washington just... He's... Denzel Washington is a really good actor. People love him. I love... Dude, Denzel Washington is great. (laughs) Yeah. And yet yet you saw Mamma Mia 2 instead. I did. And you know what? I don't regret it because Mamma Mia 2 was amazing. But you're going to talk about that later. I'm going to talk about that later. Uh, so they came out two weekends ago. Equalizer 2 won that box office battle. And then this past weekend was all about Mission Impossible Fallout. People are freaking out about this movie. It made $61 million at the box office. And some people are saying it's the best action movie of all time. I Yes. I, 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 I like a lot. I could buy into that. Yeah. I could I could totally buy into that. Yeah. Neither of us have seen it yet, unfortunately. I tried to. I was trying to squeeze it in before the podcast, but it didn't end up happening. We will talk more at discussion about that. Um, but Teen Titans Go! The movie also came out. I heard it was fine. Uh, blind spotting with David Diggs, the guy from Hamilton. Oh, in uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, apparently that's a really good movie. Yeah, set in Oakland and and I've, yeah, I've heard it's enjoyable. That also debuted, uh, but Fallout just that that's that's what you need to know. Next week, this weekend, lots of good movies that I am very interested in are coming. Yeah, out. me too. I'm this. This is this is a solid two weeks. Um. Yeah, so this coming weekend we have Christopher Robin, um, the like new take on uh, Winnie the Pooh, The Spy Who Dumped Me with Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon, and Eighth Grade, which is the Bo Burnham one. That's which right, has been getting insane rave reviews. reviews. Yeah, yeah, rave rave reviews. This is its uh, theatrical wide release. Right, um, and then the next weekend after that is The Meg with Jason Statham, and Black Klansman with Adam Driver and some others. Yeah. Pretty pretty good pretty good lineup. Pretty good. I'm um, I'm very excited about pretty much all three movies coming out wide. I could I could not care less about the Meg. Could not care less. about I'm the Meg. gonna see it. I'm I I might even go see it opening weekend. No. Am I excited about it? No. But no. like, dude, Jason Statham fighting a giant shark. Are you getting? How are you gonna pass that up? Like that's like pretty easily. It's like oh look, I'm, you I'm gonna pretty you giant shark, and then he just goes boom boom boom. It's yeah, it's great. See, now I don't need to pay $8 to see it. Like, you just summed it up for me right then. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you just right, summed it up enough. for me right then. Black Klansman looks good. Don't I'm know if I'll see it in theaters, but it looks pumped. it. It looks Yeah, it looks very really... That, that, you and I should try and watch that one together. That yeah. Looks, yeah, that looks really... Just a weird idea. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. But I'm down. It's, I'm super down. I'm it's going to be really interesting to just kind of see how that plays out. So a lot, a, a pretty wide range of movies coming out the next two weeks. A lot to pick from if you want to, but uh, we're going to go ahead and shoot on to discussion. We got some Twitter questions to answer this week. Colby Waddell wrote in and asked us to rank the Mission Impossible movies that we've seen. 
Yates has only seen the first. Uh, scrubbing it up over there. Oh, I. It was good. I liked it, but yeah, kind of a scrub. I, being the non-scrub that I am, <laughs> decided to watch two of the most recent movies in this weekend to try and catch up for the new one because I heard the new one was good. Uh, but I honestly, I understand the hype around this franchise now. I really, really enjoyed the last two Mission Impossible movies, which were Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. I had already seen the first movie a while ago and enjoyed that one too. Ranking-wise, I think I'm going to put Ghost Protocol first because I really like the action in that one. I think it's better than the the first two, especially this, oh my gosh, the scene where he's climbing the tower in Dubai is absolutely wild. I was I was pretty much white-knuckling my seat, not going to lie. Like, I was just sitting, I, I, you know, not in a theater or anything like that, but I was still so tense so that that movie i think i think it's pretty good i like the cast in that one and then rogue nation is a very close second of the three that i've seen because i really like that one and i'm excited for how that sets up fallout also good action in there rebecca ferguson freaking kills it also the villain in rogue in rogue nation is super creepy sean harris uh the actor there so that movie's worth watching alone for that for that one and then the first one you know, it's third on this list, but I have a feeling that if I watched the other ones, it would not be last place because I remember watching the first one and, it, and thoroughly enjoying it, despite it being a couple years ago. So yeah. there's my ranking. I, I wish it were more. I wish I had seen Fallout before we recorded this. I truly ran out of time this weekend. So the second question is from Greg Hall, and it is, which is the best Fast and Furious movie? Um, and as Brighton has seen none of the Fast and Furious movies, my scrubbing t- it up over there. My turn to scrub it up. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking the reins on this one. So I, probably my sophomore year of high school, just decided one day I was going to try and watch <laughs> the Fast and Furious movies in the shortest time span that I could. Um, I think I got like three of them, like the first three out of the $5 bin at Walmart or something. And so then I was like, All right, well, I mean, here we go. I feel like there's no better way to do it, frankly. I, well, for Fast and Furious, hell no. Yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, they're, they are the Walmart $5 bin franchise of movies, at least the early ones. Um, yeah, so of I, I only ended up getting through the first five that I can remember. I, th- I might have watched the sixth, but if I remember right, what I'm thinking about is either sixth or fourth, pretty forgettable and not, um, which I think is kind of the case with most of these movies. You know, the first one, I think the first one is pretty good. Um, you know, the original Fast and Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift, and then the fourth one, which I think is just called Fast and Furious, are not great. I mean, yeah, if you want to sit down and eat some popcorn and watch Vin Diesel, you know, talk like this, and him and Paul Walker drive fast cars and shoot at things, great. That this, These are the movies for you. But, I mean, they're not quality cinema. But things kick up in the next level when Fast Five came out. Fast Five is it is one of my favorite action movies. Um, That's pretty high praise. It, Whoa. Yeah, I, I, I mean that. I love Fast Five. Because it's, it's, you know, that's when The Rock comes in. There's a great plot. It's kind of a heist movie, which I love. Love heist movies. And then they, like, drive a safe through the streets of, I think it's Rio, like, just strapped between two of their cars, which is super fun. Yeah, spoiler alert. Just super fun. You know, in that one, that really just hits it on, you know, action, plot, just overall level of fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Brighton just leaving me just, like, I can't stop smiling over here while I'm talking about this movie. No, I, I mean... Super, super fun. I've heard, so, it's, I've heard it's very legit. I feel like that's a good choice. With, without a doubt. In my mind... Not having seen, may, I can't remember if I've seen the six or not. Definitely haven't seen seven, seven or eight. Fast Five is it is my go-to for my favorite Fast and Furious movie. Last question we have from Twitter today: straightforward, simple from Michael Magnuson. Is Toy Story a good movie? Yes, absolutely. Yes, very nostalgic. Not, not a question. Yes, yes, it is a kids movie, but it is a good. It's movie. It's a good kids movie, and a good movie. I don't really know how how people could argue otherwise, but. I mean, if, if if you hate fun, sure. 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 On to what we watched the past two weeks. I'm going to go through what I watched this week in, in the order that I watched it. The first movie that I saw was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Caught it in theaters. Uh, I pretty much agree with what you said on yeah. the last episode. Just kind of, I, I feel very lukewarm about it. There are parts that I liked, parts that I think fell flat. I don't think it's a bad movie. Just was, yeah. wasn't as good in the first in as the first in my mind. And 
I get that they were trying to do sort of a change of pace coming off of Infinity War, but I don't know. It it just wasn't. I I I, I think I said this. I don't remember. You know, in this all needs to be taken into the context of like it's a Marvel movie. Like our expectations are ratcheted way up because it has Marvel Studios on it. That's like, true. As action movies and superhero movies go, it was pretty good. Like it was a hell of a lot better than Spider Man Three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we're comparing it to. Avengers Infinity War and Iron Man and, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier, and it doesn't quite measure up to those. Right. But, you know, if you want to look at the entire lexicon of superhero movies, yeah, it's, yeah, not bad. it's above average. But I feel as you do on this, which was like, eh, all yeah, right. Right, yeah. Next movie I saw I really enjoyed and cannot sing enough praises of, which was the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor. This movie made me cry, and I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to try in front. It, it did. And it's so good. Like, the music is awesome. The footage of Fred Rogers way back in the day and then interviews with him just throughout the show was great. They interviewed perfect people to talk about him and just the structure of the movie in general, touching on the different aspects of Fred Rogers' life, which made him so perfect to play this. He, I was going to say character, but he's not. He, he is just himself in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with so many people. So many people don't believe it, but... This, this documentary certainly shows that and shows how he did struggle with things outside of the world. And just, you know, as a kid, when you watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, it instilled a lot of lessons in you without you really knowing. It, it, there's a lot of subtle lessons that it teaches. But in this documentary, it shows, his, it shows Fred Rogers' conscious decisions to address certain controversial things going on in the world and news at the time. And it's pretty incredible. Like he addressed the Vietnam War in the first week that the show was on air which is just incredible to me. I love, love, love this documentary. So go check it out if you have a chance. It might still be in theaters, but Won't You Be My Neighbor? Cannot sing its praises enough. Uh, Yace and I watched The Nice Guys together, which is a lot of fun. The Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe buddy cop movie set in the 1970s Los Angeles. Great movie, in my opinion. You know, it's nothing groundbreaking, but I'm always a sucker for sort of crime, mystery, and this one is definitely comedy as well. And I thought Crow and Gosling both nailed their parts. And the girl who plays the, the daughter the daughter of yeah. Ryan Gosling She's also great. nails her part. So the, the thing I love about this movie, and I think the first time you and I watched The Hangover together, this is what you said to me about that, is that it's a comedy and it's funny, but the plot is like... A hundred percent there. Yeah, for sure. And both th- of, both th- of these movies are kind of comedies first and foremost. But yeah, there's a plot. Well, in, in the one with this plot, and this is something that you said to me after we watched it, because this is both of our second time seeing it, mm-hmm. is the plot's like confusing and convoluted and has like a I mean, it's intricate. Um, and it really took until the second viewing for both of us to really understand it and understand how kind of all the players and all the pieces came together which I think is really impressive it for is. a comedy, for, and especially for a comedy as funny as this one. I've always had a soft spot for that movie and movies of that ilk, but I think The Nice Guys just hits it out of the park. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I watched Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Those are the fourth and fifth movies in the franchise. You know, even though Ghost Protocol was made a couple of years ago, I think it was either, it might have been 2011. It was a while ago, but even still, Tom Cruise doing his own stunts in those movies it's wild. It's wild because he's almost 50 years old in those and now he's 56 in Fallout and still doing just ridiculous stunts. I mean, in Fallout, he he's the first actor to ever do a true halo jump on film. And in Rogue Nation, the opening scene, he straps himself to the outside of a plane as it takes off. I mean, it's just absurd stunts like that and that make both of those movies just so much fun and, you know, pretty good stories. But it's definitely it's definitely the stunts, the action... The tech, you know, sucker for spy thrillers as it is. So, I, you know, I'm all aboard. I, I loved both of those movies. And I'm really excited to see Fallout whenever that may be. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to watch Ghost Protocol tonight. You've, you've convinced me like four times today. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop on that tonight. Um, so I'm not going to go in the order that I watched uh, mine because uh, – yeah, I watched The Nice Guys with Brighton, so I'm not going to talk about that. I kind of already added that. I don't really have anything to add to what I already said. Um, I watched Moneyball uh, again. I think we've kind of briefly discussed that um, on here. I love that movie, and I know you do. I mean, we both love Sorkin. 
Yeah, um, Aaron Sorkin is a master. It's a Sorkin, and I, I this time around, I noticed like how similar the music is to Social Network, mm-hmm. and the Social Network. Social Network soundtrack. Wow. Eric's score is <laughs> Social Network is an incredible, credible film. Probably one of my top five favorite movies. It's probably, yeah, it's in my top ten. And here's, sure. my, here's my Super Bowl claim of this episode. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Moneyball is my favorite sports movie. Straight up. I think it's my favorite because of how well it is done. There are really great, really good nostalgic sports movies out there that hold a special place in my heart. But in terms of my favorite sports movie, there are few and far between that I can just put on at any given time and and watch no matter yeah. how many times I've seen it than Moneyball. Yeah. And that goes for any movie as well. Yeah, no, that's that wow. Yeah, that's that's a really strong case. I just love it. I mean, I'm a huge sports guy and I love baseball and I I think it's really interesting that this movie focuses on an aspect of the game that it shows something that wasn't being done at all. So the story is about like these guys embarking on something in the first time in a sports world, which is interesting enough. And two, this is the first sports movie of its kind where it's focusing that much on the behind the scenes of and sports not and actual, not necessarily yeah. on the field. Yeah. Also, fantastic cast. Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Robin Wright, Chris Pratt. I mean, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I yeah. mean, there are so many people every time. I feel like almost every time I go back and watch it again, I'm surprised by somebody that I now recognize as like a, a, a even more famous actor than when they were in that movie. So I'm not sure I'd say it's my favorite sports movie of all time. I think that Glory Road probably gives it a run for its money um, just because I mean, did Glory Road maybe not necessarily a better movie than it's Moneyball. It's a good choice. It's but a good it's choice to have a really powerful. Yeah, it's a good me. choice to and have as a favorite I, sports movie. I watched it when I was in third or fourth grade. I went to a Catholic school as a kid that was predominantly all white. I mean, I learned a lot from that movie. I learned it through something I love, which is basketball. Um which is yeah, I mean that that movie is pretty incredible to me. That's a good choice. Um but yeah, on the topic of really incredible movies that just really hit me emotionally. <laughs> oh boy! Um, the last movie that I saw. Oh god, I, I, it's so good. I'm gonna start crying. It it was Mamma Mia. Here we, <laughs> Mamma Mia two. Here we go again. Mamma Mia was like a three point five out of five as a movie and a six out of five in my heart i mean it it if you want this is probably, probably the best way to put it is if you want a mama mia sequel that this is gonna be the movie for you if you saw mama Mia and you're like all right that was nice i don't ever need to like see that again or i don't need a sequel just don't go see it you know we will have our fun you have your fun doing you know whatever being scrubby um and i but it, for me i thought it was really good i thought it was a really good follow-up um to the first mama mia it, it, I mean, it, it was the same tone. It had some songs they already did. It had some new songs. It had hits. But, you know, all in all, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And anyone who's a fan of ABBA, a fan of movie musicals, and a fan of whatever, I think is really, really going to enjoy this movie. And I think that's what, that's what the movie is geared towards. And that's what, you know, the director and the studio and everything, that's who they're making this movie for. And I think they make it for that audience very well. I think the performances in it are great. Lily James as young um, Donna. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. She, frankly, she nails it. Like, if you watch her performance, she is the same character. And it's really amazing to see that. Um, And I did not expect that. The three young, like, you know, because it's like the three dads, the three young guys of them, I thought they were fine. I didn't think they were amazing. They were all hot, which, you know, that's, I feel like that's why that's, that's important for the female. I was going to say, that's what I think um, I've seen the most of right, people talking about was, right. was them and They're, then Cher at oh, the end. Young Bill. Whew. Yeah, Cher. I mean, yeah, Cher, Cher. Like, I'm, I'm not going to diss Cher, but I'm about to diss Cher a little bit. She's kind of shoehorned in. She wasn't totally necessary. Like, the movie kind of like, peaked and it was like going up. It was kind of building up to this ending scene and it hit it. And then Cher comes in and it like kept going and I was ugh. like it, it's a lot. Cher did not need to be in this movie. They got a good song out of it, which I love. Um, a song like one of my favorite ABBA songs. I'm not going to tell you which one because obviously you don't want me to spoil the movie for you. Um, oh yes, I'm so concerned <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, all in all, I enjoyed it. If you're an ABBA fan, if you're a Mamma Mia fan, you're gonna love it. If you're not, you're not. And you know, you just if you know you're not gonna like it, you're not going to enjoy it, don't go see it. Go see Mission Impossible or whatever. 
that's the plan. Because yeah. see, here, here's the deal. I, I am Where's a mom the deal, of, Brighton? Where I am is a mom and me fan. Uh-huh. I really like the first movie. Then you'll really like the second movie. But I don't care. Then don't go see it. That's the plan. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so pretty good, pretty good weekend lineup for both of us. Yeah. Or a pretty good lineup yeah. that we've that we've gone through. In the uh, ne- next episode, hopefully you'll hear me talking about all three mission, all three new Mission Impossibles. Just to be clear. I'm I'm not gonna keep being scrubby. <laughs> Until then, you can listen to uh, you might be listening to this episode through Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. We are debuting on that with this episode, uh, but our other previous two episodes are up on there now. You can follow us on either of those sites as well as Wooshka. You can follow us on Twitter at P for Podcast and go like our Facebook page for more updates as well. Follow us on Letterboxd if you want to see what movies Yates and I have been watching before we actually talk about them. We will also be trying to figure out a potential schedule for us to move to uh, a weekly format in some ways. Maybe do a shorter episode talking about news every other week and then the in-between weeks from there being longer ones. We'll be testing out a format, but for now we're just going to have another episode in two weeks and um, hopefully be debuting a weekly schedule before too, too long. Yep, Just something in the works, something to look out for. Um, And with that, we'll see you in two weeks. 